0: Turn your Bibles to Micah as we look to conclude our study on answering the questions in Micah. And Specifically today we're going to look at chapters 6 and 7. Uh, you might recall as we, we started this series that uh, we mentioned that Micah had really can be broken down to three individual sermons. And this third one... Uh, The theme is basically trust the Lord today, uh, which I think with the other two sermons, judgment is coming and the deliverer is coming. is pretty much the standard practice for most who preach the Lord Jesus that we would conclude with trust the Lord today. But I want you to listen to the words that Micah uses and see that it has uh, real-time application for us even now. We're going to start reading Micah chapter 6, and if you're following along in the outline, uh, we're like on page 82 or something at this point. We're we're pretty deep in it, uh, but it's there's really only three big points, and we're on the third big point. Questions concerning Christ's trustworthiness. Micah chapter six. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Remember each one of these three sermons starts with hear ye. Hear ye now, present day, what the Lord saith. Arise, contend now before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? This will be the first set of questions we address in just a moment. Testify against me, he says. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab consulted and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Uh, You might mark that verse. We'll deal with that question as well as the next verse and the verse after that. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Verse 9 of chapter 6, the Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name, hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, in the scant measure that is abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances, and with the bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied, and thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but shalt not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil and sweet wine, but shalt not drink wine. For the statutes of Omri are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and ye walk in their councils, that I should make thee a desolation, and the inhabitants thereof, and hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. Chapter 7, verse 1, <coughs> and uh-oh, it begins with a woe. Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits as the grape gleanings as the grape gleanings of the vintage, there is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man has perished one of the uh, out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie and wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. That should sound familiar. Verse three That they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward, and the great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire. So they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine enemy, or my eyes, mine eyes, rather, shall behold her. now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river and from the sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. Verse 14, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan, and Gilead as the days of old. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt will I show unto him marvelous things. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sin into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from days of old. Let us have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we seek to conclude our study through Micah, Lord, as we, uh, again, break this message down by the questions asked therein, we ask, Father, you give us clarity of mind and understanding of Scripture. Help us in our own evening studies to truly uh, weigh these things, to truly labor to write them upon our hearts, that we wouldn't be satisfied with just having the preacher finish his study, but that we would actually write tried and proven, that we would search these things out, that we would see where there's a need of repentance, and that we would come clean and return unto thee. We ask, Father, your mercy be upon us here this hour. Those who aren't with us might uh, receive a blessing through the recordings or through the streaming, Lord, but, uh, that they would hearken unto their need to be back with us. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Micah 6, verse 3 is the first question we need to, to discuss. And again, these are questions concerning Christ's trustworthiness. Uh, I think we've proven in, the, in the, the last study that this is who he was speaking of. In that last section, we talked about the coming Deliverer. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question here is, O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee to testify against me? The prophet's questions here are truly to encourage reflection. Uh, because the verse doesn't conclude with a question mark. The verse concludes with, testify against me. As though the writer saying, prove me on this. Prove these things. It's not enough for you to say that God is unjust. Prove these things. Prove his injustice. It's not enough for you to say he's forsaken you or unfaithful. Prove these things. And here specifically, what have I done unto thee and wherein have I wearied thee? testify against me. Prove it. Prove that it's God's fault. And if it's not, repent. The prophet's questions are encouraging reflection, as though God is saying, consider my part in this. Look again at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 6. This is God's part in this. I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, Miriam. Would any argue that those three Uh, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps to the positions in which God used them? Of course not. Moses wouldn't have even been alive. None of them really would have been, but Moses would have perished surely down the river. But God intervened. Oh, my people, remember now that Balak, king of Moab, consulted. And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. He even has references of Elijah. And Jezebel, which some of the Sunday school students just heard about in his sermon, he's pointing to God's goodness and he's saying, Consider my part in this. Prove me on this. Testify against me if you can. Warren Wearsby wrote, The scene here is a courtroom and God has called his people to be judged. He says, State your case against me. I have a complaint against you, announces the Lord, for I have done all I can do for you. Yet you have rejected me. I brought you out of Egypt. I led you you in the wilderness. I protected you from your enemies. What more could I have done? Testify against me. If this were a courtroom scene, what could they possibly say? What could you possibly say? In the courtroom of your own soul, what could you possibly say against God? Has he caused for you to sin against him? To sin against self? To sin against family? To dishonor your home, your parents? To forsake him, his church, the beloved? Then we read the response of the people there in verses 6 and 7. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased With thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Uh, As a teacher, I'm inclined to say certainly the traditions of the time burnt offerings weren't unusual. But this is what man runs to every time. What will attain for my sins? What will cleanse my soul? The slaughtering of a multitude of animals upon an altar? The blood of others? And God, in a sense, says there's two on trial here. Me and you. One will spill their blood for your soul. This is what's at stake here in this trial. God says, testify against me. But at the end of the day, one of us will bleed to wash that soul. It will either be you for all eternity, or it will be my son at the cross. We run right to it, though, don't we? Ah, It's much like the publican and the Pharisee. Thank you, Lord, for not making me as much of a sinner as that guy. We're always in a comparison game. We're trying to put somebody else on that altar and spread somebody else's blood to cover our sins. But what was the command? What was it that John the Baptist preached? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's nothing mentioned there of a slaying except for a slaying of self. The prophet responds in verse 8 He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And of those three things, you can't do any of it lest ye repent. Did you know that? Try it, ye who have never repented. Try to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God without repenting, you will utterly fail. You have tried that since birth. You will utterly fail. But Jesus, but the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that unblemished perfect lamb, you will never walk humbly with thy God. So let me ask you then, have you found yourself able to trust in God's mercy in this way? And know this isn't a trust in God and invite him in type statement. I'm asking, can you trust God? If not, then there's something between you and him. Can you trust God? Can you trust in his mercy? We hear the preacher say, Repent and believe, or believe and repent, but these things are not truly separated in time, for you cannot and will not repent if you do not believe you must, and that He is able. You'll say, What is it to me? Wherein should I? Do you trust that for His own namesake He was delivered? For you? For His own namesake. For the holiness of God himself, Jesus Christ, went to the cross. God does not want extravagant gifts or sacrifices. He requires hearts. Let me give you three scriptural proofs of that. Psalm 51, verses 16 through 17. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Consider 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And lastly, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. Isaiah writes, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams, and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks, or of lambs, or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand? To tread my courts. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. This is what he desires. Wash you. Make you clean. It's, it's almost like simplified English, is it not? Wash you. Make you clean. Oh, if we'd but listen. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, which is exceedingly white. If ye be willing and obedient, there it is again, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword of the mouth of the Lord, that for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. These are the words of God. We have a thus saith the Lord here. He doesn't require these sacrifices. He doesn't require these rituals. And I don't want to belittle the Jewish feasts and religions, because we're about to dive into one in our afternoon study a little bit deeper. But understand the purpose of all those things. I mean, he gave Moses a lot of stuff that we're going to get into in Exodus and Leviticus as we go through. He gave them a lot of stuff to remember. Some of which, to have that perfect sacrifice, would have taken them the better part of a year to make sure it was ready and prepared. By Jesus' day, they're exchanging there at the temple to have these sacrifices, if you recall, and to get the currency right and all these things. But what he gave them in the beginning was literally no excuse to stray. In a sense, it's like God said, I had you so busy focusing on me and you still did not believe i led you through waters as if though you were on dry land i sweetened bitter water when you complained you wanted quail i stuffed you with quail i led you through the wilderness i literally took you by the hand with smoke and fire and led you everywhere i had for you to go and still ye are not faithful unto me I led you in and out of Persian oppression, Babylonian oppression. Recent times, there's still been oppression for the Jewish faith, has there not? And yet, they deny the Messiah. And yet, Deacon Stephen's message was uh, quite literally a masterpiece of truth against the Jewish heritage. He says, your hands are full of blood you've gotten yourself so wrapped up in the rituals and the sacrifices that you left yourself at home wash you make you clean if you're here today and you do not know the lord jesus christ as your savior wash you don't wait for me to be the best pastor there's ever been won't happen Don't wait for Steve and I to teach the perfect message. Wash you. Make you clean. Some will say, well, preacher, a man can't do that. I understand that. But to have the desire for that, to be striving toward that, it will lead to repentance. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. And he, and he follows that up because he's not saying put it in a closet for a more convenient time. He follows it up with cease to do evil. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. And then we read, come now. Come now. All the arguments that stir up in the Baptist mind of what was just read. And it's scripture. And God says, come now. Let us reason together. It's as though, he says, come now. I got you all worked up. Come now. I know there's something there you don't want to agree with. But let us reason together. And this is the plea from this pulpit this very hour. Come now. You who are here that aren't members of this church cannot honestly tell me that you've never disagreed with what's been preached from the pulpit, lest you'd be a member. So come now. Let us reason together while it is still today. Because soon and very soon, those here who are born again will be no longer. Here soon. Your Gentile hopes and desires will be met by the world and you will never be challenged again. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Micah, back into our text, chapter 6, verses 9-11, through we read... The Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Are there yet the treasures of the wicked, uh, uh, treasures of wickedness in the houses in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances? and with the bag of deceitful weights this is the next question for to us to address and this is why i refer to the to sin as a type of offering a sin offering because when it's carefully weighed it is found short this is what they've brought to the lord sin not the offering for sin but a sinful offering he says it's an abomination he says that he can't count it as pure in wicked balances. It would literally cause the weights to be deceitful. Here we find the Lord hath permitted vision. And the man of wisdom shall see, it says. With this sight they, uh, they then see that their treasures have been of wickedness. Is there room in your home for your pet sins? Perhaps a door you will rush to lock. When your Christian friends stop by. Shall I count them pure? With wicked balances he says. Will you continue to call it a holy thing? A righteous thing in the sight of God? Or repent and remove this wicked thing? Uh, I think of Isaac's prayer this morning. If this is you that's just been described. Will you continue to call yourself Christ like? Will you continue to call yourself a Christian? While you harbor these wicked things? While you harbor a place in your heart and in your life for unjust and wicked things, be done with it. Repent. Move towards God and listen again. Wash you. Make you clean. This is the commandment of the Lord. Again in our text, verses 13 through 15, Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied. And thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee. And thou shalt take hold, but shalt not deliver. And, thou, and that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And sweet wine, but shalt not drink wine. In place of the enjoyment of sin, we now find bitterness and displeasure. Those are not ours any longer. There's a couple different ways I've found to look at verses 13 through 15. There, there are, there's what we see in Revelation, which is yet to come. And, and there's the idea here as we go through all this stuff. Uh, and we could break it down individually, but I would rather apply it to all. Thou shalt sow, and thou shalt not reap. Tread the olives, and not have the anointing with the oil. It's as though your labor is in vain, right? It's as though either you're doing the labor that should reap a harvest, but someone else is taking it. It belongs to someone else. You are as but a servant or a slave. Or it's as though your seed is dead, that you're doing all the labor that would typically provide a harvest, but it's only harvesting death. I think the lesson's clear no matter which way we try to interpret it. Life is only found in Christ Jesus. All that you try to do outside those doors, if Jesus isn't in it, you will not find life. You will do all these things, all that we have known to be a tradition of man, all of these things that we found to be currently prosperous practices in generating a a harvest and you will come up empty then there's the application for the elect of God that everything that you've previously done for a fleshly harvest that you've enjoyed sensually uh, lasciviousness if you will will no longer have the same pleasures will no longer provide the same experiences because that's not your work any longer you are but fishers of men, born again believer. Your mission, as we talked about in Sunday school, is no longer to go and buy and sell to please the flesh, but to buy that which is needful and see to the work of the Lord. What a, a wonder that these three verses could provide such a bounty. That these three verses literally fall upon the necks of everyone in this room, everyone watching. Everyone listening. Is there any wonder then that chapter seven begins with Woe is me? Woe is me for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the grapelings of the vintage, there is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. Oh elect, gone are the temporals of pleasure, or temporal pleasures of the flesh. Here now is the true joy of the Lord eternal treasure that never spoil that never fall stale the sure mercies of david that we just spoke of here now are the days of wisdom and discernment listen as the prophet counsels us still and leaves us with two final questions let's read again Micah chapter 7 verses 5 through 10 (coughs) and i as many have heard me say i intend to teach on discernment uh, starting with the, the next next Sunday, Brother Enrique will be here. But the following Sunday, we're going to start a pretty lengthy uh, study on discernment. And I believe this is a great place for us to start. Micah says here in, in verse 5 of chapter 7, Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. <coughs> There's probably enough struggle there for all of us. Uh, I think of every political discussion I've ever heard, and most of it comes from somebody trusting in somebody else. What about the Bible? This is the root of talebearing, the root of anger, the root of wrath, the root of jealousy, trusting in a friend, putting confidence in a guide. And then the next part, keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. You know, James writes a thing or two about the tongue, that it's a flame. This tiny little organ, acting as a rudder for the entire ship. Your tongue will bury you. There's been times in my life where my tongue has buried me. says, keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Why would he say that? Well, there's a lot of traditions of men that literally come from your own home. I was raised Catholic. I was raised with Easter and Catholic, uh, Christmas and Halloween and all those things. My parents delivered that unto me. I don't hold them accountable for it, but it was delivered unto me by those who I should have trusted or been able to trust the very most. But an understanding being the beginning of wisdom, God brought me out of that. And it takes God to bring us out of the things that have been delivered unto us by the most trustworthy of sources. Which is why we see next, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. What's left? You cannot trust in a friend. You cannot put confidence in a guide. You cannot trust your own tongue because of what lies in your own bosom. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall ar- arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of of the streets. The believer is not called to trust every wind of doctrine, but in God and God alone. Therefore, it stands to reason you can't trust every book you read. Therefore, it stands to reason you cannot trust every news source on the television, every YouTuber, every podcaster, Therefore, it stands to reason you can't trust every Christian you meet, but God and God alone. This is a weary, weary thing, but this is discernment. I'm afraid that our Baptists have worked ourselves to the point of trust only in landmark writings, trust only in the King James Version Bible. Trust only in this person and that person until we tell you otherwise, which is what I'm learning as being a preacher for a number of years now. And what we really should have been teaching is discernment. Because I in the flesh will mislead you as well. No doubt without the steady hand of the Lord, Milburn would have as well. And what is a landmarker but a, born, a sinner born again? I love landmark writings. I love reading J.R. Graves. That'll get us some email. Let me know when that shows up. I love my King James Bible. But I am to love the Lord most of all. I am to trust the Lord most of all. I cannot stand behind a pulpit and tell you, don't go watch The Chosen. But it's okay to watch Friends as long as you repent. Now, this is a real-time struggle addressed by Micah. And this is why we're going to teach discernment. Because one day, young church members, Lord's going to call me home if the rapture doesn't come first, and you're going to have to call another pastor. Will you take Milburn's words and my words and find yourself a new pastor? Or will you trust in the Lord to find a new pastor? One day we'll have mission uh, issues to discuss and decisions to make. One day soon maybe new radio stations to take on. Will you trust my opinion on these things or beseech the Lord? Because even as landmarkers, we're real good at saying what to stay away from and what words to use, but not real good at explaining why. And that's discernment, folks. We are to trust in God and God alone. What happens if I go off on truth one day? Will you keep me around for sentimentalism? Or will you sit me down, pray with me, discuss with me your concerns? You can't sit here today and say, well, that's Steve's responsibility. Because you know what? One day the Lord's going to call Steve home too. He'll go willingly, just like I will. Beloved, discernment is something we all need. Discernment is what they lacked. And how do we know this? Because the first two sermons, Micah addressed these false teachers. Micah was addressing those that was telling them they were doing a great job. That surely harm will not come unto them because they were God's people. Surely harm has come upon God's people for all eternity in this fallen creation and will continue to do so until a new earth. Until the Lord comes back again and makes it right. Harm will come unto you. Seek after the Lord while he may be found. Harm might be coming unto you right now. Could you imagine the hypocrisy of hearing a preacher say harm will not come unto you if you're in the midst of harm? But this is what was happening then, and this is what happens yet today. Micah is literally pointing them to the fact that they've trusted in things other than God. You will be abused. My kids, we we love playing board games, and, and, and poor Livvy Joy and Lainey a lot of the times too we'll play Catan and Isaac will offer him a trade or I'll offer him a trade and later they'll see us build these magnificent settlements and cities and say well wait a minute but every trade I offer is to benefit me every trade Isaac offers is to benefit Isaac you will be abused you will be lied to you will be cheated but narrow is the road which leads our, to our Lord and Savior afflicted is that gate Was he not perfect? Was he not cheated, lied, and abused? He was betrayed by a kiss, if you recall. Where is the Lord thy God? This is the question that is asked here of Micah. This is a question we should be asking. Should I engage in watching this thing? Should I engage in feeding my soul and my family this thing? Let me first ask, where is the Lord thy God? If he's not in it, I shouldn't be either. If he's not in it, it's not for me. He will provide, but this might not be his provision. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 29 through 37, listen to how the Lord is referred to here. Thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Well, I mean, we could turn on a, a, a piano light, a flashlight, our cell phone screens. We could get light from all kinds of sources. The devil knows scripture too. Why would they seek after him? He might be hard to find. Let's give him light in an easier fashion. But Samuel writes here, The Lord is his lamp. The Lord will lighten his darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. Every provision provided for by God. I am not at all saying I don't believe in landmarkism, but I believe there's a danger to man taking such a firm hold against all all of these avenues in which we will allow our people to go this way and encourage our people to go this way and forbid them to go this way you know what's easier point them to the lord you know what's easier teach discernment you know what's easier what priscilla and aquila did with apollos sitting down with a man teaching them perfecting their understanding my understanding's never been perfected by being scolded by someone to avoid this and that and the other thing. 2023, we find ourselves in an interesting place where a lot of Baptists claim to be landmarkers and a lot of Baptists seem to hate one another, spitefully using one another. We resemble the world way more than we resemble the Lord. We're going to have to have discernment, beloved. There are going to be those who come in in the name of the Lord, I believe it was, Milburn wrote this, I think, in that last article that we, that we printed when Chris passed. There are going to be those that come in claiming to be his friend. When I pass, there'll be those who come in claiming to be my friend. You've been taught discernment. You've been entrusted with discernment. You've been entrusted with wisdom to seek after thus saith the Lord's: You will not be protected by anything less than the Lord. You will not be preserved and have not been sanctified. And have not been called by anything less than the Lord. Why would we be expect? Why would we expect to not be kept by that same Lord? This Lord is described as a rock, a sure foundation, a perfect way. The final question Micah presents here points the hearer to once again make an assessment of God. He says in verses 16 through 19, the nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Here's the question. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth abundantly, as we heard this morning, iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. No other hungry, idol, or false god was known for pardon and mercy without cost to be forgiven. And that's still the case. Jehovah God, the only one and true God, paid the price for his chosen. He saw to it that they were a fit people by his own imputed righteousness rather than iniquity, according to Psalm 32.2. So how is it that Israel, with all of these promises, with all of this heritage, fell into a place in which they needed Micah to preach to them these three sermons? It's way easier, right? It's way easier to follow one that seems to be on the right path than to have to exercise a muscle maybe we don't have or exercise a muscle that maybe we do have that we don't want to use. We can see how Israel got there because we're hidden in the same direction. How many of us have rested on the very idea that America is a Christian nation and that will protect us? How many for years have felt that being a Christian nation, harm shall never come upon us? And how many for years have heard that America is not mentioned by name in the Bible at all? And that in the days ahead, there may be a reason for that. It's way easier for Baptists to just trust, trust the Sunday school teacher and the pastor. Which is why we don't have young men coming into the ministry. It's why we have a lot of churches without pastors. It's way easier. I know. I sat in those pews too. It was way easier to trust somebody else to do that work. Way easier to be the first one on lunch line too. Way easier to never give this another thought, but just keep absorbing and eating what's been delivered unto me. And the Lord does that. He can feed the mouth of, from a mouth of a bird his prophets. He can do that. Do you have a desire to know what you're eating? Do you have a desire to be used of the Lord? Trust in him and only in him. It is not a sin for us to call for one another to repent before God. I encourage you here today to read Psalm 32 as your homework. If you recognize his hand in your life, his very breath upon your neck as he's been pursuing you, then do as the psalmist had done there. The psalmist writes in verses 5 and 6, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, lot. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Repent today, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your works are not worthy to be praised. I pray the Lord will be with us as we begin our study of of discernment going forward. Uh, I ask your prayers because it's certainly not an easy topic to discuss Certainly not an easy study, not a a lot of uh, references to be found on such a thing, and I think that's the plot of the devil, to make it even easier for us to, uh, to be lulled to sleep, to be even easier for us to just not know the sound of truth and lie and not to be able to distinguish between the two.